Thank you, Murray. Our uh, New Testament text this morning, or this guy's so used to saying morning, right? Just natural habit. This afternoon, this evening, whatever it is, <laughs> is Luke chapter 2. So I would encourage you, if you've got an iPhone or Android or whatever you use to look at Scripture, I would encourage you to turn to Luke 2, verses 1 to 20, as I make reference to the text throughout the message. But before I read God's Word, let's call upon His Holy Spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of His Holy Word. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, as we turn this evening to this familiar text, God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit you might speak to us afresh and anew. We thank you, Lord, for the way that your Holy Spirit inspired Luke to do a, to do a thorough research and to investigate all that has been spoken about you, Lord, and to put it down to paper that we might have your written word today. Oh God, I pray that as we read these words that you might speak to us, that we might hear from you, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your Son's precious name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Listen to God's Word. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while we're there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Here ends the reading of God's Word as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the Word of our Lord stands forever. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to look again at uh, verses 10 and 11 of our text. It's the first words that the angel of the Lord uh, says to the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ 
the Lord. Fear not. You know, if you read Luke and begin in chapter, the first chapter, you'll see that, well, this is what the angels usually have to say to people when they appear. The first thing they have to say is fear not or don't be afraid because angels are pretty intimidating creatures. If you look at the very first part of Luke, you'll see the story of how Zechariah, the priest, was in the temple and, and how he had been praying with, along with his wife, Elizabeth, that they might have a child someday. But Elizabeth was believed to be barren. And then all of a sudden, the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah while, he, while he's there in the temple presenting an offering. And we read this wonderful and powerful account in Luke 1, uh, beginning with uh, verse uh, 13. And the angel's first words to Zechariah, because Zechariah is overwhelmed with fear at the sight of this angel, the angel Gabriel. The angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Zechariah is fearful, but the angel has good news to bring. And so he tells him, do not be afraid. Mary has a similar reaction later in the first chapter when she comes across the angel Gabriel. The angel Gabriel appears to her to tell her this good news that she's going to have a, have a baby, a baby boy. And we read about it in verse 30. The angel says to Mary, again, these words, do not be afraid, because Mary is filled with fear at the sight of the angel Gabriel. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Mary. Fear not, you shepherds. I bring good news of great joy. The shepherd, al- I mean, the, the angel always shows up to bring good news, but inevitably when the humans see the, the angel, they are freaked out because angels are intimidating creatures. You know, as human beings, we are easily uh, made fearful, are we not? I, and I, it's kind of interesting. The Greek word in, for fear in verse 10 of our text is phobio, uh, phobio, uh, phobeo, sorry, phobeo. We get the English word phobia from phobeo. So phobia in English uh, means to have an extreme irrational fear of something. Now, are you aware of what the most irrational phobia is in the United States? Arachnophobia. Number one fear people have, fear of spiders. Anybody else afraid of a spider here? Anybody? Okay, you may not want to admit that. I will admit it. Uh, occasionally, I'll be walking through the woods. Uh, I remember particularly going on hikes around Angel Fire, or I'll be hiking in or walking in my own neighborhood, and I will walk through a web that's like the worst feeling, right? To walk through a web. And you walk through a web and you're like, oh man, you're trying to wipe the web off you because you can feel it, but you can't see it, right? And you're trying to wipe it off. And then inevitably there's a spider attached to the web, right? And it starts crawling up your, your arm or, or the worst is when it starts crawling up your neck or up in your hair. And you're like, oh, you're free time. This has happened. I've been with my wife and you know, I'm, I'm 6'1", about 195 pounds. My wife is 5'2". I won't tell you what she weighs, but it's a lot less than me. And uh, she sees me jumping around like a little schoolgirl, freaking out over a little spider. And she's laughing at me like, why are you so upset? Yeah, it's just a little spider. And it is kind of an irrational fear because in the United States, there are only three species of spiders that are poisonous. Now, if it's a black widow, you might worry about that. But I haven't seen many black widows, right? A brown recluse, wouldn't want to see that either. But most spiders are harmless. The daddy long legs, they're not going to hurt you. But we have these fears, right? We kind of grow up with a lot of different fears. I remember as a kid, I was afraid of the dark. I had to have a nightlight, right, to keep me, keep me safe. Afraid of spiders, afraid of snakes. Now, some of our fears, well, they are rational. In fact, it's good to be afraid uh, of some things. And in this year of 2020, man, it's been a year filled with fear, hasn't it? This time a year ago, none of us were wearing masks. None of us probably knew what COVID-19 was, never heard of it. But as 2020 began, 
We heard about this horrible disease that was killing thousands of people in China and then later Italy and then Spain and eventually it came to the United States. And we all became pretty afraid because no one exactly knew what was going to happen with this disease. In fact, our country went into a national shutdown and all of a sudden this economy, which was booming, went into bust mode. We went into a recession and, and the unemployment rate, which you know, had been around 4%, which is really incredibly low for the United States, it shot up to 14%. You remember this? And in March, the stock market crashed and everybody was worried and anxious about what's going to happen to my retirement account? How am I, how am I going to have to find work? And, and many, many, many people lost their jobs. A lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. A lot of disruption. You remember schools, every, all the kids went off to spring break and they never came home, I mean, never, never went back, right? They just, it was like the spring break that never ended, right? And, and kids had to learn at home because there was no more school. Schools had shut down and everything was virtual and all of a sudden now we're homeschooling, which I never remember signing up for that, but somehow I was now doing it, you know, and we're all working from home. And, and spring sports for kids like baseball had to stop. You know, mid-season, that was horrible. And then prom for seniors, that ended. And, and you know, there was no senior prom. And, and then there was graduations were delayed or completely virtual. I mean, there was so much disrupt, disruption, which leads to a lot of anxiety because nobody knew what the future was going to hold. Well, things kind of settled down this summer. Then all of a sudden we had this election, right, November. And I don't care what political party you're from, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you were fearful that the wrong guy was going to get elected, Right? I mean, Republicans were worried that Biden was going to get elected, and Democrats were afraid that Trump was going to get reelected. There was a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, a lot of fear. And sadly, a lot of this fear, this fear led to a lot of division, a lot of consternation, a lot of hurt. And a lot of this fear well, was grounded in some harsh realities. Many of us uh, saw loved ones you know, die from COVID-19. In fact, our own church has lost some members to COVID-19. 1.65 million people in the world over that number have now died from COVID-19. And here tonight, you know, as we grieve the loss of loved ones, as we grieve the, the disruption that's happened in our lives, as we often find ourselves fearful and worried, we look to these words in Luke 2, these familiar words. And the angel says to us, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That fear not is actually in the second person plural imperative, so it means it's a command. And the way that we would translate that here in West Texas is that we would say, y'all don't be afraid, right? That's how we'd say that, right? Y'all don't be afraid. If a West Texan had translated the Bible, we'd say, y'all don't be afraid, because you know what? We've got good news of great joy. That's for all the people. The Greek word for people there is, is laos. We get the English word laity from laos. This good news isn't just for the religious elite in, the, in Jerusalem who are serving the temple. No, this is good news for everyone. In fact, if you continue to read the Gospel of Luke, you will see that time and time again, this good news, the good news of Jesus, it's for the worst of sinners, it's for the tax collectors, and it's for the prostitutes, it's for the Jew, and it's for the Gentile, it's for the slave, and it's for the free, it's for the male, and it's for the female, it's for the Ethiopian, it's for the eunuch, it's for the Samaritan, it's for everybody who will simply come to Christ in all humility, and he welcomes us all. Yes, we've got good news for all people. Everybody needs to hear this good news. Christ, the Lord, has been born in the city of David, a Savior. And the Greek word for 
Savior there is soter. It means Savior. It also means deliverer and rescuer. Jesus has come to rescue us, to save us, to deliver us. If you were here with us a couple of weeks ago, and if you didn't hear that sermon, you can find it online. We talked about Romans 8 and how in light of the good news of Jesus, you know, that we're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to sin. No, we have now, through what Christ has done for us, we've been adopted now as children of the Most High God so that we can cry out to God and say, Abba, Father. We can have this intimate relationship with God, but it's not because of something we've done. It's because of what Christ has done for us. You see, the good news of Christmas is that even though we were sinners, rebellious people, beginning with our first parents, Adam and Eve, who left our own are prone to wander from God, prone to reject God, prone to, to stray from God's word, even though we had the Ten Commandments, we weren't able to adhere to them, or those who adhered to them on the outside weren't doing so on the inside, as Jesus makes clear in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we were all falling short, as Murray had pointed out, falling short of what God's plan was for us. But the good news of Christmas is that God doesn't abandon us in our sin. He actually becomes one of us. As we talked about last Sunday, he was born of a virgin. He was born without sin. And he continued to live a, a sinless life in full obedience to our Heavenly Father. It's true, he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, and yet he was without sin. Even though sometimes it wasn't hard, it wasn't easy. Because Jesus was obedient to his Father even when he didn't want to be. You'll remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night that Jesus is betrayed, he prays out, he cries out to his Father, says, Father, if it is at all possible, take this cup from me. He knew that suffering was coming. He didn't want to have to endure the suffering. But then he said humbly, not my will, but yours be done. Yes, Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He was born sinless, and he lived a sinless life, lived in perfect obedience to our Heavenly Father, so that when He died on the cross, He died as that perfect sacrifice for our sins, so that our sins could be atoned for once and for all, so that we could be in a right relationship with God once and for all. Yes, He came to save us, to deliver us from the, the condemnation that our sin deserves by taking on that condemnation for us, by suffering, dying, and then conquering both sin and death with His resurrection on the third day. Yes, on this Christmas, as many of us reflect on this past year, and many of us have lost friends or loved ones to this horrible disease, it's good to be reminded that Christ has come so that He might save us, that He might save us all. You know, every Advent, I write letters to church members that I know who have lost loved ones because I know from personal experience that that first Christmas without that parent or that sibling, or that spouse is very difficult. In 2018, my father died in August, and that first Christmas was difficult. As we gathered around the Christmas table, there was that empty chair. It was hard not to miss him. But as I think about what Christ has done for us, I'm reminded that, well, that Jesus has conquered sin and death for us. He's conquered the grave that we don't have to fear death. In fact, my, my father, who had cancer, and the cancer went to his spine, and he was in horrible pain the last few weeks of his life. Every movement hurt as the cancer was on his spine and just made it very, life very difficult. My dad is now with Jesus in paradise. But if you continue reading Luke, you'll find that in Luke 23, verse 43, as Jesus is literally hanging on the cross, there's a confessing criminal to one side of Jesus who turns to Jesus in all humility and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus tells this criminal next to him, truly I tell you, today 
you'll be with me in paradise. It's the good news of the gospel is that Christ has become one of us so that he might save us, so that he might deliver us from sin and death, so that we might one day be with him in paradise. Where there's no more pain, no more suffering, only praise. Notice in our text this evening that after the shepherds encounter this angel and they hear this good news, they go and check it out for themselves. And if you're here tonight and you've never opened your heart to Christ and you don't know really what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of His, maybe you have a family member who dragged you to the Christmas Eve service or maybe it's just a part of your tradition. You thought, well, I'll come this year again. If you've never walked with Christ, if you've never committed your life to Christ, man, I would encourage you tonight to check him out. How do you do that exactly? I think it begins by reading his word. In fact, go home and read the the rest of the gospel of Luke. It's a powerful story. Read Luke and then read Acts because Luke wrote both of those books. You'll, You'll hear these powerful stories. In fact, if you just read one chapter a day in Luke, you'll read the whole thing in less than a month. And as you read it, pray that God might open your hearts to the truth of God's word, that God might open your eyes to see what you want us to see, what he wants you to see. And if you come across something that's difficult, you know, you can email me or you can email Murray or, or, or better yet, get in a Bible study. If, if, you're not a, if you're a woman and you're not in a woman's Bible study, uh, contact Emily Wood, who's our women's director. We've got lots of Bible studies kicking off in January. If you're a man and you'd like to be in a Bible study, talk to Murray. We've got lots of men's Bible studies that are kicking off in January. Because the Bible was not meant to be read in isolation. It was meant to be read in community as the Holy Spirit speaks through all of us as we read God's Word and meditate on God's Word and seek to obey God's Word together. It's interesting that these angels, of all the people they could have told this good news to, they choose to go speak to shepherds. Have you ever wondered why it was the shepherds? Well, if you think about the Old Testament, the two most prominent characters in all the Old Testament, they're both shepherds. Moses was a shepherd of his father-in-law's sheep for years before God called him to lead the people of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, into the promised land. And God used the time that Moses had in the wilderness shepherding his father-in-law's sheep where Moses would spend time in God's beautiful creation in prayer, in solitude, in silence to transform Moses' heart so that he might become the leader he was called to be. The most prominent king in the Old Testament is David. And David was a shepherd boy for many, many years before God anointed him to be the next king of Israel. And David spent time alone herding his father's sheep. And as he would herd his father's sheep in the midst of God's beautiful creation, he would pray and he would talk to God. And he had this great quiet time with God. We, should learn, we could learn a lot from shepherds. If we will spend time like the shepherds did, in solitude, silence, and prayer, talking to God, meditating on his word, God will transform us. I can tell you from personal experience that if you give your life to Christ and you begin to read his word each and every day, well, then God's going to change you. He's going to begin to transform you. You're going to find that you're going to become more like Christ. You're going to begin to bear fruits of the Spirit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You won't be perfect, but boy, you'll be better than you were years ago. In fact, we're going to be talking starting January 3rd about what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit, what it means to walk and step with the Holy Spirit, how we might be transformed so that we might bear that kind of fruit naturally. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I don't know about you, but in 2021, I'd like to bear more of that fruit. Not fear, not anxiety, not worry, but love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May each one of us take the time we need, like the shepherds did, to be alone with God and His creation, to read, to meditate on His Word, so that we might become the men and women of God He's calling us to be. Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, as we've turned to this familiar story, uh, we were reminded again that you are the God who is always with us, and that you were born in very humble circumstances, and that you brought this good news that is for all people, to the most humble of people, night shift shepherds who are out in the wilderness herding their sheep, and you appeared to them, and you told them, fear not, for you bring good news of great joy. Lord, in this year of 2020, we've had a lot of anxieties, but as we turn to your word, we can hear you telling us, fear not, for you have good news, good news that is for everyone. For Jesus has come to save each one of us. He's come to conquer both sin and death on our behalf. And that we can walk in the newness of life if we simply turn to him. And this evening, Lord, we want to lift up those who are sick and hurting. Specifically, we pray for those who are struggling with COVID. We think of Marianne Osborne, who has both COVID and strep. We pray for uh, Andy Chase Cundiff as he continues to recover. We pray for Jim Keister. Uh, Lord, we pray your healing upon him. Pray for Ralph and Connie. Colleen Keel's parents, uh, thank you that she seems to be doing better. Pray for Ian Watson's sister. Uh, Lord, we pray for Stephen Crodel, uh, Mary, Gary and Mary Lee Hip. Uh, Lord, I pray, Lord, for uh, Mitchell, who has COVID. God, we also want to lift up those who are recovering from surgery. We lift up our own uh, Chuck Alexander. Pray that you'd heal him. And uh, we also pray, Lord, for Jody Glover and his surgery. You are the great physician, Lord. We pray your healing hand to be upon all those who are sick and hurting today. Those who are alone, Lord, I pray that you would remind them that you are very present with them, that nothing can separate us from love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about, that you are Emmanuel, God with us, and that you've come to save us all. So Lord, help us to walk in the newness of life that you've come to bring. Help us to share that good news with others. By your Holy Spirit, empower us to be a witness of your great love. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.